Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. As always, I am Brent Young, joined by none other than Aaron Smith. Aaron, how are we? Doing well, Brent. Doing very well, sir. Very well indeed. Uh, very well because we have quite the special pod for you today. Uh, it, it's it's a, aside from the original, aside from the ordinary. You were able to gather not one but two legendary Bearcats to give us a little spin on their thoughts of the current state of basketball, the past state of basketball, everything. I we might dive into one of them being down in Miami and and how that's going for him and how warm it is compared to how we're living up here in the Midwest, but. Without further ado, Aaron, you got them on the show. I'm going to let you introduce them. We're going to dive headfirst into this. Two feet in, ten toes down. Take it away, Aaron. So I can only take credit really for Landon Leonard Stokes, who then landed us Steve Logan. And, you know, you know, Leonard comes from Buffalo, New York. He went to UC from 99 until 2003, where he would finish with 1,318 total career points, which was good enough for no thanks to GoBearCats.com, where they have him as the 17th, because they actually, for some reason, don't have Jaron Cumberland on the 1,000-point list yet. Let's get that updated, guys. Uh, But I like to call him my friend. I also like to think it's reciprocated, but he is the glue guy. He is Leonard Stokes coming here from Miami, Florida. Leonard, welcome to the Bearcat Bounce podcast, sir. Appreciate it, Chad, man. People don't uh, take it to give me credit, man. I scored 1,300 points, man, and I played with Steve Logan for three years, man. Jimmy <laughs> Christmas, man. Could you imagine how much more points I could have scored? Right, right. <laughs> well, no, and, man, and- but uh, – Logan is my brother, man. But, uh, you know, good to be on the podcast, man. And again, you're right when you call us friends, man. Great guy. Always there for us when we need you, man. So, you know, appreciate appreciate everything. And you bring up Steve, who is out of Lakewood, Ohio, where he attended UC from 1998 until 2002, where he took home some major hardware, including the first team All-Conference USA honors, the first team All-America honors. He finished just shy of 2,000 points at 1,985 points. He is your third time all-time leader in points for the Bearcats behind only Sean Kilpatrick and the Big O himself. He was the 34th winner of the Francis Pomeroy Naismith Award. Steve Logan, I don't think you've been on any other Cincinnati podcast, so welcome to our podcast here, and thank you for taking the time for us, sir. Hey, glad to be on, man. Thanks for having me. Um, you guys do a great job when you're talking about the UC Bearcats, and when I heard the news from Lenny asking to be on a podcast with you guys. I didn't hesitate. So I think you guys are doing a great job, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, sir. It is our pleasure to have some of your time here. So that all said, I know Steve and and Leonard, you've both at least had conversations. I know we've seen the pictures from uh, the, the Reds game appearance from Wes Miller, but you've had a little time to to rub elbows and kind of pick the brain of one Wes Miller here already. And I'm just very curious as to what some outstanding alumni think of the new hire here in West Miller. Well, fortunately, yeah, I was... look, 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 you want to go? No, no, go ahead, look. I'll let you get back okay. that one. I um, spent some time with uh, Coach Miller this past weekend, like you said, at the Reds game, 
we have two mutual friends that we we know. One is Jawad Williams from North Carolina that played with Coach West. And the other one is uh, Michael Duncan, who runs AAU programs around the city, uh, for Adidas and stuff like that. And they both spoke highly of, of Coach West Miller once they got the call and said that he was coming to University of Cincinnati. You know, he, he stands for the family. He wants the program to get back to what it used to be. And number one of all, he wants the former Bearcat guys around, helping out with the team, putting in inputs, and being in the arena for the games. So that's what mostly of our Bearcats, our former Bearcats, we we like to just be around watching the game and just helping the younger kids out, man, just rooting them on. Lenny? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I echo what, um, you know, what Stevens uh, said. You know, Stevens and Joao played together at um, St. Ed's back in Cleveland. Um, you know, I think Lowe was one of the first guys to get the call after, um, you know, the hire. And, um, you know, coaches just been great man he's done all the right things said all the right things and i think as you know as us as former guys we're really excited about you know what he brings to the table and what you know the direction that they're going to lead us in um you know i want to just you know we'll chat a little bit briefly but you know i know during the hiring process um you know from our side we say a lot of things as former players and i think we've earned that right um but you know for our fans out there i just want them to always know that you know we respect and appreciate you know their hard work um, their blue collar work because it's, you know, those, those seats in the stands is what made us, um, you know, but I think, um, you know, we've got to talk through and we're doing, taking some steps to get a better rapport with the athletic department between um, the former guys. And I think Wes is going to be a big help um, when it comes to that. Yeah. You bring that up. And even just yesterday, we saw Corey Blunt kind of change his tune a little bit as he's now spent a little bit of time with Wes. Do you know how that interaction went outside of what he gave us on, on Twitter? Um, I did not. I haven't had a chance to speak with Corey. I'll probably touch base with him um, later this week. But, uh, you know, it's good to see. Um, and again, we, you know, we're all, you know, we all talk. We're all brothers, man. N you know, none of the energy is ever focused. You know, Wes can't get hired and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to take the job. He has to take the job. So we're always going to support who's um, in that seat. Um, for us, it just, you know, there's a lot of different factors and scenarios that have went into things. Um, and I think at times people forget that, you know, we're players, right? We were players. We know other former players, you know, from other universities. And just some of the things that we have to go through and endure um, just doesn't happen at other schools. And I think, uh, you know, I think we're on the path of fixing it. I had a great call today with um, with Cunningham, with John Cunningham, VAD, um, you know, who kind of echoed some of the things that I think we're going to talk through. Uh, but, you know, again, this is right now is about Wes. It's his time. And we're here to support him um as he as he pushes through but i think he's gonna stand and support us as uh for some of the things that we want to see happen from our side as well lenny you mentioned john cunningham and, and this was john cunningham's first hire as the athletic director at the university of cincinnati this is a guy that that came from the outside he didn't have a a great knowledge built in of the history of this basketball program and what you guys mean to the program and what the program means to you guys. And he talked to Nick and Eric was, was seriously involved in the, in the hiring process. And there's been talks with DeMar and there's, there's talks of maybe a player coming on as a graduate assistant. Do you think through this process, John Cunningham kind of had his eyes open to how important that bridge to the past is here at Cincinnati? Because it seems like over the past month, things are moving in a much more healthy direction 
in terms of getting you guys involved, getting you guys around uh, and, and bringing that family back into the fold? Yeah, I think, um, Chad, I think that that's true. Um, I don't, I haven't had the pleasure of spending enough time with, with, uh, with John yet, with Mr. Cunningham yet. I'm looking forward to doing so, but, you know, background, he's an attorney. So that lets me know that he's probably pretty thorough and strategic when it comes to thinking through things. I think this hire is going to be a good one. Um, I think Wes, you know, alluded to what Logan said earlier, I think Wes coming from North University of North Carolina, where they have that family atmosphere and that tradition, I think he recognizes that. Uh, I think he's, you know, going to embrace, um, you know, bringing that back to uh, UC. I've, I've got a question for Steve. You were at the Reds game, right? Yeah. With, with Coach. Did you happen to see him throw the first pitch out? I actually watched it. Yes, I did. I watched it on TV. Right. Um, but I didn't see him out there on the field. They showed it on the TV screen and so on the suites and everything. It was, it was the auxiliary field, obviously, due to due to health regulations. Do you think right. that's kind of cheating? I, I mean, he threw a perfect strike. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I this is so short. I, I think I think it's definitely cheating, especially when you see some of the, the history of some of the guys being actually out there on the on the field throwing that first pitch. I think I saw Snoop throw one, and <laughs> I think he threw that thing, man, in like left field somewhere. It was so awful. <laughs> I couldn't believe I couldn't believe he threw it that bad. So I did want to see how accurate Coach was, but since it was on the on the screen, he did a he did a pretty good job. And I actually told him before, I said, listen, get that thing over the plate, man, or we're gonna make fun of you. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, that's the thing, because also 50 Cent, he had a he had a really rough, rough first pitch as well. If I remember. Mayor John Mallory here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so kind of piggybacking off that, it seems like Coach West Miller's bringing in kind of a, a young, exuberant, kind of lively feel. We, we're already hearing the possibilities of, of a three-point shootout contest coming mm -hmm. at, at Midnight Madness and things like that. What do you think just kind of just this this exuberance that he's bringing so far in his tenure, you know, on social media a lot, what do you think that kind of does for the program and kind of just bring back bursting new life into it? Oh, I, I, I actually like it, man. I mean, Coach Cunning, I mean, Coach West, he's been there before. He's been around that atmosphere. So he, he knows what it takes. And this city wants to get riled up about Cincinnati Bearcats basketball again. You know, everywhere you go, every where you go out to eat dinner, movies, mall, anything, they always ask the question about when the program is going to be back to where it used to be. So I think he's taking the right precautions and making the right moves. He's interacting with the former players. And I think that Coach West is going to bring the energy back. You know, he's a he's an effort guy. In North Carolina and Cincinnati is kind of similar, you know, to get out there on that floor, you know, you have to put in effort. And sometimes it's not all about just about skill and, and talent. Cincinnati embraces the guys that work hard on the floor. That's what we're about. That's what the former guys want to go to the game and see. They want to see you diving on the floor. They want to see you chasing down blocks from behind. They want to see you making an extra pass. And I think Coach West, he stands for that. And he understood that when we had a conversation. And, you know, I, I think he's a right fit for right now, this era. You know, he's he's old enough to know the game, but he's also young enough to know that he has to interact with these kids out there on the floor. So you think that the probability is pretty high of us becoming like a North Carolina version 2.0 as far as trying to emulate that 
culture that they have there as far as the alumni coming back and also just kind of bridging the the you know the Huggins era the McCronin era and also simultaneously moving the whole program in another direction as the new era starts I agree I think he's he's one of the coaches that's going to get us back to Cincinnati basketball you know he, he understands what it takes the type of recruitment what type of players to recruit to get the best out of them. we got to go we got to go out there and start recruiting some some players man you know some guys that's not going to going to cry about extra practices just want to go out there and get better and, and win games that's what I think coach West is bringing to the table this year it's going to be a rough year for him because he's just coming in he got to get some players the roster a little bit jumped up but I think he's cleaning that up and after that he's going to go after the type of players that fits the Cincinnati old school type of basketball and I think he give him some time he'll bridge that gap anything you want to add on to that Leonard as you've had some time with with Wes, yeah, yeah, I agree uh, with the same thing Steve said. I think he's the guy. Um, you know, I think he'll push through. Um, obviously, you know, first year is always rough. It's rough for, you know, everyone. Um, you know, all those great coaches that we've had, but um, I think he's going to do a great job. I mean, I, I think he'll go out. He'll get players. I think he's making some really good relationships in the Midwest. I mean, like Steve said earlier, Mike Duncan. Um, you know, one of the top AAU guys in you know the Midwest. You know. For him to make that call shows the pedigree that coach has. So I think that he's going to do well um, as he continues to push. And again, from our side as former players, I think we're going to lend all the support that we can um, just to make sure that he can be as successful as he needs to be. Because again, it's all about the program, right? That's what we're all here for, um, to make his job easier. Now, how do you feel about the coaching staff that he's surrounded himself with as far as, you know, Mike Roberts and Chad Dollar and, um, who am I missing here? <laughs> I think um he just hired somebody today. That was that was Chad Dollar, yeah. yeah. Chad, Dollar. Chad Dollar, yeah. Right. Just yeah. I think um again, like you know, from a high level, you know, Wes is you know basically <laughs> kind of the CEO of the team, right? So you know, you just have to trust who he's bringing in, um, trust his process, and you know, trust that you know they're 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 going to come in and do what is is expected um of them. So I don't you know when it comes to the hires. I'll kind of glance at it, but I think, you know, he's got that portion of it um, under control. Yeah. And then Andre Morgan, of course, the, uh, the third of that bench staff. So, you know, you guys both touched on recruiting and when you think recruiting, you obviously think high school recruiting, you know, Lenny, you came in with the, that historic class. And, and of course, Steve, you were, you also came in as a big time recruit as well, but nowadays it seems as if the transfer portal itself is a whole entire new ripple on the recruiting scene. What what are your guys' thoughts on just, you know, the current status of, of that and how many players there are in the portal and everything? That goes- I think, I think, I think that transfer portal, and this is just me, I think is not, I don't think it's doing a greater job for college basketball. To me, it's like free agency. Right. And um, I don't know how you build cohesiveness as a team, because I'm going to tell you this from our, from our days of playing, I don't think you could have just been an outsider and came in our team and it, it, uh, it just wasn't, it was a, too much of a family atmosphere, too much of a cultural fit. And if you're not that, you know, you're going to be back in a portal in, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, you had to, you know, you, you've got to be, it's got to be a fit. Um, and I just, you know, I, I think that's just tough for college basketball, man. I think at one point there were 3,500 kids in that, uh, in that portal, man. I think he's just giving kids a license to bail out. Um, you know, when they, when they, you know, when it gets tough. So 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of it. You know, I think if you sign up, you know, to be on the team with your brothers, you know, you barring some unfortunate circumstances. Um, but other than that, man, you signed up, man. You just got to get in there and work and, and push through and persevere. That's the way I look at it. I don't I don't know how how I would accept a guy who, you know, left another team to come join our team because I would I would deep down I would always feel that you would do the same thing to to us. Yeah. And I, I pick I piggyback off what uh Stokes was saying about that too. I, I don't like it. If I was to change anything about it, I would say, hey, listen, you couldn't enter the portal after two years at one school. You know, every year a kid gets the chance to go to another school just because he's going through adversity. Hey, listen, man, we got a list. We got we got a million of stories about us former <laughs> players going through adversity with Bob Huggins, four years, three years or Bob Huggins. Are you kidding me? So life is full of adversity. What are we teaching these kids that as soon as something goes wrong, you can just up and leave and, and go somewhere else? That's not how life is. And for, I think, coach, when you're recruiting, when you're recruiting out on the road, you also have to recruit parents, man. You know, you got to, you got to see what type of background the kid's from, you know, does he, is he from a single family home? Does he have a father in his life? What has he been through? So you're not just only out there recruiting talent, you're recruiting parents as well. You know, so if you want to know if this kid makes a commitment, is he willing to stick around and, and really give all that he has for four years? That's what it's about. You know, it's about a family. When I came into school, when I came in, I did four years. Lenny is a four-year guy. Some guys came in, they was talented enough to go one and out, two and done. But for me and Lenny, we're four-year guys. So, like I tell Ho, I said, Lenny is one of the guys that matched the program just like I did. When we get around Bob Huggins and Coach Huggins, we make fun of them. We say, hey, listen, we only the couple of guys that matched the program, buddy. Four <laughs> years with you is hell, man. <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> so, so we get a kick out of that, man, just joking around with them, having fun. But you, you also have to recruit parents as well, not just the kids. Lo, I got a I got a story for you. I need to run by you to see. I want your your uh, take on events on this story. So you're a senior in high school. You want to commit to Cincinnati, but Hugs is slow playing you a little bit. Definitely. So the Bearcats are in the NCAA tournament, and you're talking to Mick on the phone. Mm-hmm. And Mick comes up with a plan. Yeah. I'm going to let you tell it from there because I know what the story I've heard from Mick. I want to hear your version of the story. What does Mick tell you? Take me through that conversation with Coach Huggins and the mind games that you and Mick played on him that night. Well, I'm going to take you a little further than that because that's a very, very interesting and true story that I'm getting ready to tell. So the summer before then, I see Huggins in, at AU games for like five tournaments in a row. I always wanted to be a Bearcat. I used to see him on TV with Jordan and they're dunking and playing defense and stuff like that. So I always wanted to be a Bearcat. But we had a center on our team by the name of Sam Clancy that was highly recruited. And so everybody wanted Sam. So Coach Huggins was coming to see Sam. And every time I see Coach Huggins, I say, man, you sure y'all don't need a point guard? (laughs) He said, no, we got plenty of point guards. We don't need a point guard. He said that to me five tournaments in a row. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this guy just, he's like, no, we don't need a point. We need a big. 
And so speed the story up a little bit. Me and Mick had a, a little bit better relationship because he was the recruiter. You know, he calls and talks to you and see how you're doing. And, and he's like, listen, we need to sign a shooter. I don't care what Hugs say. We're on the road out west right now, and Hugs is highly on this guy that can shoot the ball. Okay. He said, now, if he shoots it well, I don't know if we're going to have room for you. But if I call you back in two or three hours, I'm going to have some good news for you. So I sat around and sat around, you know, watching the game and stuff like that. The phone ring about two and a half hours later. He said, Hugs is pissed off. This guy went seven <laughs> for 22 tonight. <laughs> and he told me to get on the phone right now with you and see if you're still willing to come here. True story. Just like that. And they flew me out the next day for a visit and everything. Had a good time meeting guys and stuff like that. And he said, hey, if you, you know, you want to commit, Hugs wants you. We need a shooter. And that was that. Uh, the, the the part I heard, though, was that Mick told you to call Hugs and make Hugs think it was his idea. That it was after after I after I got there, that's what I did. We tried to soup it up and say, like, hey, it was all Hugs idea. But it wasn't. The shooter had an off night. That's how I ended up being at Cincinnati. You know, if he would have went 10 for 15 or something like that, I might not even been in Cincinnati, man. <laughs> Mick, Mick, Mick used to always laugh about that story because he's like, we, we pulled a fast one on Hugs because yeah. Hugs wasn't sure about Low, and I'm like, that's, we need this guy. That's true. That's very, that, is, that is honest right there. That's real honest. I wanted to get that on the record early in the podcast because I, I think that's you know, and, and people don't understand how recruiting works on that front because the, the assistants are the guys with the relationships. They're the guys that know. And, and sometimes you got to make the head coach think it's his idea. Yeah, that's that's true. Them guys, assistant, the assistant coaches are out there. They're in the front line. They build a relationships with parents and the kids. They're checking on them. So a lot of times the, the head coach don't know a lot about the kid unless the assistant coach is, is telling them. So Mick did a great job. Mick was a great recruiter, man. Uh, that was one of his specialties. And, you know, he's doing well out there in UCLA right now. For sure. For sure. Take us through how you became a Bearcat, Lenny. Let, 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 let's go through the the Leonard Stokes, New York to Cincinnati progression. Um. So my my so we we so I had a relationship with um with Kenny Satterfield. You yeah. Know, both being from um New York, me from Buffalo, and then him from um the Bronx. But we uh you know so we would play AU, um and I started to kind of push through and and kind of hold my own. So went to uh, ABCD camp. And then over that summer, um, you know, we, 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 we played AAU. So coach Baker was recruiting me at the time, Rob Baker, but Mick was recruiting another guy named Marshall Williams, who um, was a Michigan guy. So it was, it was this kind of a similar story to uh to Logue, right? Like it was, you know, it was between myself and him down to who the scholarship was going to go to. And uh, you know, Kenny would call me every day on the phone. Me and Sat would talk every day on the phone. Me and DJ spoke a couple of times as well. Um, but again, we're all competing because we're the same age group. We're all competing AAU. So we're playing in a tournament in Connecticut. And um, this is a big national tournament. We make it to the semifinal game. And we're playing against Samuel Dallenberg um, and his team. Their team was stacked, loaded. So we had the last game of the night. 
So literally every team, uh, DC Assault, DeMar's team, I mean, Tim Thomas players, everybody was watching this game. And Samuel Dollarbert was just blocking everyone's shot. I mean, block after block after block. And he blocked my guy's shot. The center on our team wound up going to St. Bonaventure. He blocked his shot. And when the shot, he blocked it, it came to me. But I kind of had a running start, man. And I dunked on Sam Dallenberg so bad. <laughs> everybody everybody ran on the floor, like literally ran on the floor to, and stopped the game. And sat and sat, looked at Coach Baker and was like, yo, we need to sign Lenny right now. Let's play. Get, we need him. We need him. So he called back to uh, to hug and um, said, listen, man, we, we got to sign Lenny. So that's how I wind up um, getting signed. Me and Satterfield actually committed the, the uh, same day. So um, it was a couple of days after that tournament. But you won Mr. Basketball in the state of New York that that season, correct? Over Kenny. So do you do you yeah, rib Kenny, Kenny about that? Oh, every chance I get. Every <laughs> chance I get, man. I mean, <laughs> listen, these New York City guys think that, you know, Buffalo guys, you guys are country. I'm like, no, it's not like, you know, I mean, we <laughs> we're kind of we're, we're, we're kind of more of an extension of the Midwest. So, you know, we, we're a lot like Cleveland and Detroit more than the fast paced. New York City. So every what motivated me to actually win Mr. Basketball, we would play a lot of those schools from New York. And then I would just, you know, the 30, 30 point here, take this 30 points. Since we so since you guys think this is who we are, take this and go back and tell them I did it. <laughs> so that was kind of the way, man. But yeah, I, I tease sad every chance we get about that, man. Well, and you guys jump on tables at tailgating events and things like that, don't you too? Oh man, yeah, man. I was in there. I just turned 40, man. That was in my younger day, man. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, man. <laughs> Bills Mafia for sure, man. Now you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the diversity that kids are going through and jumping into the portal. Now you yourself didn't get a whole lot of playing time as a freshman, you know, as as you're as as you know, Steve's part of this team making a big run in the tournament your freshman year, Lenny. And so how was that? adversity for you as you're not getting minutes while you know steve and, and the boys are out on the court doing all the things and you can't get that time i mean it, to me it wasn't really um i wasn't really frustrated by it i mean the team we had was loaded i mean i'm, I'm sitting on the bench is you know donald little's next to me i mean we had i mean we were front to back loaded so i, I wasn't really um you know, obviously, as a competitor, you want to be out there, but I wasn't really frustrated because, you know, the one thing we all had in common with each other is we respected each other because we all could play. Right. So there was never a day where, you know, these guys are like, oh, you're a bum or you're not good enough to be here or anything. We had none of those conversations. Everyone was just we all knew that we were all talented. And, you know, to me, it was just, you know, it was going to be one year. You know, you had Kenyon you know, was a senior, you know, DJ was only going to be there for a year. Pete was a senior. So, you know, I didn't really get, um, I didn't really get frustrated or um, discouraged behind it. You know, we just, you know, our it was just next man up was our mentality. So we just pushed through. Did, did both of you guys kind of band together as that season wore on and, and Steve, did you kind of talk to Lenny and say, Hey, you know, next year when, when Kmart's gone, DJ's probably going to go this, that, and the other, it's going to be our team and it's our turn to step up after going into that next year? Did you kind of, like, have those talks with each other throughout the season? Well, me, me and Lenny always had I – mean, what's, what's unique about me and Lenny is that we always had a personal relationship. Um, it's a difference between being teammates and having a personal relationship. 
they're both all love, but me and Lenny would talk about different scenarios, different things that's going on. Because we was at Duke, like you said, we was at two different positions and two different spaces in our in our time playing with universities. Yeah, I was getting more minutes. He was fighting for minutes. But at the same time, I still we, we still had something in common that every day, one thing about Huggins, every day it could be a day you lose your job. And, and sure. that's how it was. So I'm fighting to keep my minutes, and here he's fighting to get minutes. And so um, I will always give him guidance out there on what I think he should be doing more uh, because Lenny's a very, very unselfish guy. Okay. But sometimes on the floor in practice, you got to, you, I would tell him, I said, listen, you got to be in kill mode all the time. You know, like our, our, my sophomore year, that team we had, dude, that team was unreal. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was 20, you got to think at practice, King is going number one that year. There's yeah. 25 pro scouts sitting around the court at practice. You got Isaiah Thomas. You got James Worthy. <laughs> you might have uh, Coach Williams there. Not so a we game. Look, You're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm trying to go out here and work on my weaknesses, and we got 25 pro scouts there. <laughs> So you know what I mean? It was it was really a, a really eye opener. It was it was a it was a shock for me at first, but we learned something that we had. We didn't we 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 found out we had something in common that we was all diehard competitors, man. That's why sure. our teams was was so good. We we competed against each other. We fought with each other, all for one agenda, and that's to to win games. And so. Um, that time at University of Cincinnati was unbelievable for me and him. We still have that relationship to this day about life and family and stuff like that. I call him for advice, not just that I'm a year older. I, I don't give all the advice. I call him and ask him for advice, and he does the same for me, and we check up on each other all the time. Yeah, for sure, man. So, Chad, another thing, man, that um, you know, that, that I wanted to say is we Logan and I had a really, really good relationship. We never had a rocky one, but my, um, my junior year, his senior year, I think we really, really kind of hit our stride at that point because, um, you know, we hired summer working out, you know, tough summer. You know, Emmanuel McElroy was our, you know, third third guy on the wing. Tough. And I think we lost tough, tough, one of the toughest guys tough ever guys. in life yes. <laughs> playing better on the court, man. There's a fierce competitor, man. But we uh, we I don't know if you guys remember we we went into that was Logue's senior year, my junior year. We went in and we played uh, Oklahoma State, and uh, that was our first game. And no one really knew the roles and responsibilities, right? We were coming off that Sweet 16 loss, and um, you know, we were just all trying to figure out who, you know, who's the leader, who's you know, who's Batman, who's Robin, what's going on, and we lost that first game to Oklahoma State, and then we won. I think, look, well, we won like 28 in a row after that. 25, 28 in a row. 26 to 25 games yeah. in a row. Yeah, and then we were number one for, number one in the country for, I mean, the, the entire second half of the, of the season. I think two things stick out to me that year was uh, we beat we beat Xavier in a crosstown shootout, and that was the first one ever at Centos. And we, you know, we all had monster games then. And then the other game that sticks out to me was when you outscored the, the entire team um, by yourself, right? So that was a 
I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't believe that. I was so in the zone. <laughs> I mean, we're in the zone, man. The guy outscored the whole team. I caught, I, I catch the ball, Brent, on a wing, and I'm getting double teamed. I throw the ball to low. He has a three. So I get the ball again. I get double teamed. I, I think I had, <clears throat> had a, you know, four or five games where I was doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I turn around, and I look. And Logan's at the free throw line, and the arena is going crazy. I look up. He's got 41. Their team has 36. And I said to them, I said, man, no wonder you guys are this bad. Y'all keep double teaming me. This dude is torching y'all, man. Leave me alone, man. Go over there to Logan. <laughs> Logan put on a clinic that game, though, man. But, if we, you know, we had some battles, man. And, you know, the one thing, we all in the foxhole together, and we all always had each other's back, and we still do. Lenny, I got an interesting one for you. As a freshman, mm-hmm. tougher to deal with every day in practice on the wing, the, the big physical veteran, Pete Michael, or the long, skinny, talented Damar Johnson? Yeah, it's tough, too. <laughs> it's definitely tough. It, it was so deep. So the skill set. Pete was a veteran, right? So yeah, I, 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 I'm going to take Pete. The Kobe stopped that one. Yeah, so no, that was that was Rube was a Kobe. <laughs> or no, that was, was Rube. That, but was didn't uh, didn't Pete used to come over in the summers, and he'd lock up like big time NBA guys playing for Barcelona. No, 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 Pete, Pete, yeah. listen, Pete was he's yeah, legit. Pete was, he's legit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pete was definitely. Um, you know, defender. I mean, going into that senior season, people thought that Pete was going to be drafted higher than Canyon was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. um, coming from that that that, uh, that deal, but I mean, Pete, you know, was just was good. He was a veteran. He was physical. Yeah. And me at one hundred eighty five pounds my freshman year, that was a tough. That was a tough blow for me to handle, man. <laughs> you outweighed so, Dermar though. Yeah, so I think I, 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 I listen, man. That first day in the weight room. Um, when we got there as freshmen, oh, oh my goodness, man! Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I, I looked at, it, I said, I mean, we were deer in headlights, all three of us. Like, man, what did we just get ourselves into, man? It was, you know, they're in the weight room. You got Kenyon, Ryan Fletcher, Jermaine oh, Tate. Oh man, these guys throwing up three hundred fifty pounds, man. Me, me, sat at the bar had twenty five pounds on each side of the uh, <laughs> of the bar, man. <laughs> Who was the strength coach? Was it Mickey? No, it was uh, Tim. Tim. Okay. Tim. Okay. Yeah. I didn't remember when Mickey left. Yeah, I'm happy I have him, man. I heard horror stories about that guy. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Logue, Logue, did you have did you have um did you you had him for a year? No, I had I had Tim. Tim was okay, there. Okay. Tim was there. Okay. Tim did a great job, so he got us right, man. Yeah, he got, job, got us man. right. He demanded accountability. Uh, we got our bodies. Hey, I I tell you a story that's that me and my mom laughs at. Um. I, so when you go to school in the summer, you know, you got to leave. And so I, I left probably right after high school. And so my mom is coming down for midnight matins. So I've already been to college training, working out and everything. And so she's coming down to visit. And I'm standing in the dorms and everything. So I've already been with the team just working out stuff like that for two and a half three months. And so. She said, man, I'm coming up. I'm coming up. I said, all right, man, I got the door. When you come in, just come on in. We there waiting on her. She comes in the door. I opened the door for my mom. She comes in and walked right past me. She's like, where's my son? <laughs> so I turn around. I'm like, ma, it's me. And she looked at me, and she was just like, are you sick? 
<laughs> I've lost so much. I lost uh, uh, 30 pounds in a matter of two and a half months. That's how much conditioning and training, how great Tim was. I mean, he just got my body in just total great conditioning shape. My mom didn't even notice me when she came to see me. <laughs> True story. Awesome. We laugh about to this day. That's awesome. Well, you know, something that's kind of not really heralded too much, you know, Lenny, you brought up the, the big game against Southern Miss is, is the fact that, Steve, you had nine assists in that game as well. I, you know, and you hold the record for 16 assists in a single game against Coppin State. Lenny, you had 14 and 10 in that game. So kind of talk about how, how much you like to pass the ball as well as obviously dominate Southern Miss. Well, seven of them went to him. He don't want to say it, but seven assists went to him. I mean, how do you think he got 14? <laughs> right? Right? I mean, the guy's not happy with that. I was, listen, I, I was in a, you know, as I, as I look back, man, on that game, man, I was in a, in a, a hell of a head space, man. You know, you, you know, you gain confidence by, by practice and how hard you practice, the reputations you put in, the time you put in. So I was so I was at a great confidence level mentally that I felt like whatever shot I put up, I was making because I, I I do it every day. I practice. I, I I work on my body. I get good rest. So when I was in that zone, I I didn't want to I I didn't want to miss. You know, I was shooting things. I, I look back sometime and watch it with my kids and just like, wow, I had the nerve to take that shot. You know, and, and you know, and you see, and I watch Steph Curry shoot now and Damian Lillard shoot guys. Them guys got a great confidence. They put in the work. So they feel like they can show the world that, hey, listen, I put in this work. I'm going to show you I can make these shots. And so that's what I was feeling is though, like, hey, I put in the work. I deserve to show the world that I can make these shots. And that's how I'm going to play. And, and, you know, I was just at a believable, uh, I was in great shape. My teammates was rooting me on coach Huggins was on fire. So I just had a great time that night out there on the floor, man. How often were you looking up at the scoreboard and uh, were you tracking it all? Or were you kind of just, just letting it go? I wasn't tracking till I made like five or six in a row. Okay. Okay. And after you make, you know, after you, you say, Hey, okay. I made three as a player. You like, Hey, I made three in a row. This next pass is supposed to be with me. This is going to be a heat check, whether I make it or not, I'm supposed to shoot it. And I went through that scenario twice. I said, well, let me look up here and see how much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so after doing that in my head a couple of times, I said, well, I'm, I'm already at 33, you know, I might as well go for it. And coach left me out there. He said, you know, go for it. And that's, that's what happened. Many sure. days. If you, guys, it... if, you, if you guys can hear some of the trash talk, though, that that uh that that used to transpire, man, during those times, man, it was unbelievable, man. Because I called those guys every dumb, every dumb group. In the book. <laughs> he, I mean, Logan went to work on them dudes, man. Towards towards those guys, man. Lo, so big... how how many days does it take to come down from the like the high of outscoring a team by yourself? That's not something you sleep off at night. No, and see, that's that's the mental state I was in. That's a great question you asked. I wanted to stay in that moment and carry that over to the next practice in the next game. So that's what I always want to do. I want to carry my, my best practice over to games. So I just wanted to stay in that moment as long as I can. 
and, and keep having games like that, winning games and having games where I'm scoring like that and passing the ball at the same time. Even like you mentioned with the assist, the 16, 16 assists that I have, I was in a zone just making plays for others. I think Phil Williams got hot that night and, and Lenny got hot and somebody else got hot. So I just wanted that, that moment, like you said, to carry over to the next day. So who was the biggest trash talker then? I mean, you guys brought it up, and I just I want to know who was who was the one throwing it around just just Kenyon. recklessly. Kenyon. I mean, no, I mean we just had a we just had a different swagger as a team, though. I mean, people didn't really talk much to. I mean, some teams would, but I mean, it, it was just it was it was amazing. I think Logue Logue may get the um Logue was Logue was quietly uh Logue was quietly <laughs> trash talking. He was quietly trash talking. I, I think like, I think Pete Pete did it. Um, Sat would do it. It was guys that you know, Ken Ken did it a little bit, but he wasn't that. He wanted more sure you to talk about it with you. Um, but it was different ways that we displayed that we was killing you that day. You know what I mean? We just going you know, we we in the locker room it'll be a lot of that. On the floor it wasn't, but in the locker room it was like yeah, you know. Go pick your draws up out there. You know what I mean. You got yeah, for sure. You know, Yo, if you got, if you got, if you got, if you got a, uh, if you, if you didn't do well in practice, now nah, we called it the bucket dummy, right? We put, we put the garbage can in your locker when you come in the locker. <laughs> How much did you want to punch Diego Guevara? Diego, and I think that was before Lenny got there. That was actually yeah, before sure. Lenny got there. That that no, he played, Lenny played like freshman two years. year. Was you there with Diego? That was, my, I think that was my freshman year. One year. His, one year. year. his last yeah, year yeah. was 2000, 2001. So I think it would have been two. Oh, well, two, yeah, one it definitely would have been two. He two. was there for, um, no. Man. Yeah. Yeah. 2001, he had 32 games. What, eight? He had a down year that year, actually, though. So maybe he didn't talk as much shit. Only 8.8 .8 points per game that and year. That one, ES, <laughs> that one ESPN game where he was blowing kisses, that was the yeah, see, that, right? that, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think none of us liked it that. You know, he, <laughs> he was crafty. He can shoot the piss out the ball. And so when he gets hot, he's going to let his fans know and his wife know that he loves them. So <laughs> was, my, my thing was like, you know, Hugs would say, if this son of a gun start blowing kisses tonight, we're going to be running for four hours the next day. So we wanted to stop him from blowing kisses, man. Sure. We didn't like it. Oh, okay, so let's kind of continue on with that stretch. You guys had a team that evolved from your your freshman year, Lenny, then your sophomore year into the junior year, and, and we were kind of touching on that with the Southern Miss game. Hmm. Lenny, at, at what point did you kind of feel like, okay, I'm going to be a big-time scorer now for this team? Because I'm not going to mention the game, but you ended up dropping 39 later yeah. on in that in that season as well. So. You know, when yeah. did you come into realization for that? I mean, it was the whole season, right? I knew Logue was, the, um, you know, Logue was, you know, kind of the Batman. I knew I had to be the Robin. I mean, there were times when I think I scored maybe 30. I think I scored 34 or five times that season. I had 36 against DePaul. Yep. Um, I mean, I had some some good games, but, I mean, like, you know, you come into games where Logue is first-team All-American, right? You know, they're going to have to double. They're going to have to put schemes together. 
And, you know, I'll be like, listen, man, you ain't going to disrespect me like that, man. I can score the ball, too. Now, come on, Logan, give me that thing, right. man. So, Logan, you know, Logan, get it to me. And Logan and I will talk. He said, listen, man, you know they, you know the scheme. You know what they're going to do. Be ready today. And, you know, you just got to um get ready. But I don't think it was anything that needed to be said, right? Logan was, you know, was it was it was his team. Um, You know, and then defensively, me and Mac did what we needed to do. And then offensively, just, to, you know, ease the low, you know, had to be, you know, the, the, the second guy. Um. And you know we 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 did it did it at a very high level. Yeah. yeah. Was there was there magic in the headband? That's that's a question a lot of people are really wondering. <laughs> Yo, I get that headband every time, man. When I'm getting the headband, I mean that was just. I think we we uh as freshmen, me sat and DJ started to wear them, and then those guys both bailed out on me. So I you know I kept I kept the tradition alive. And why well, didn't I- you wear one, Steve? I didn't think it looked well on me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think my head was low. Low, were, low, I, low came out of practice one day with the, uh, with the headband on. He just said, he tossed that thing. He said, no, nah, this ain't going to work right here for yeah, me. Yeah, I, that won't work for me, man. I'll let them have that. Let's talk about another uh, another pretty cool game. Uh, it was it was Steve, your sophomore year, Lenny, your freshman year. That the Paul game where, you know, Kenyon – we kind of got a, a an account from Demar about the game. What what was Huggins really saying down the stretch in regards to getting the ball to Kenyon and just trying to see what he could do to get back and win? If you if you watch that game again, every time someone got the ball, he was screaming, "Throw it in!" So the guy went on a stretch making seven eight in a row. Why wouldn't you throw the ball in? And so, like he said, I remember Kenyon saying this before the game. We used to have, you know, a little chat before the game. I like to pick and see how he's feeling. And he said before the game, I will never forget it. He said, I'm not playing with anybody kids today. <laughs> I was like, and you know that sound like him, don't you? Don't no, Lenny. Oh, for I'm sure. Like, 1,000%. I'm like, I'm like, what? He's like, I'm not playing with anybody kids today, man. And so he already was letting me know his mindset was in kill mode for that match. And so he went out and displayed it. He worked hard at practice. He deserved it. Look, if you remember, if you remember, that was a game and people give, I mean, Kenya all credit due, but even with hugs, because Pete, you remember Pete didn't play that game. Pete Michael did. Yeah, Pete, Pete, Pete did. Michael did not play that game um, at all. And I mean, for us to win that game without him, with all those pros that were on that team, I mean, Quentin Richardson, I mean, they had, they were, I mean, that team was pretty stacked up over there, man. But, uh, yeah, it was Yep. Bobby Simmons, yeah, uh, Big Lance. I mean, they had a, yeah, they had a, yeah. I mean, they had a really good team, man. And pull that, pull that one off, man, it was good. Yeah, McPherson. McPherson. Yep, yeah. They had, they had pros over there, and that was that. You and know. then they sat, they sat the entire south side of Chicago behind the bench trying to intimidate us too, by <laughs> really, <laughs> man. What? Yes, every game member in the history of Chicago was behind our bench. Right, yeah, well, we won. We won't have that. Oh, he carried us. And then down the stretch, DeMar hits a big-time shot to win it for us, to sell it. Uh, Staying in tune of what's going on, Ken, just yeah, – take, you know, yeah, take out the steal. Take the out the steal. You know, yeah, DeMar yeah. brought it up, knocked the shot in. Let's get on the plane. Let's get back to Cincinnati. Now, you, you bring up – you know, he had made seven out of eight. Why wouldn't you kick it into him? But we've seen the evolution of basketball completely change yes. from when you guys played back, you know, way back when at this point compared to where it is now. So now you see people kicking out all the time to the to the guy on the wing as opposed to kicking it in to the post. 
So how do you think your games would fare if you were playing in where everything with basketball has evolved to now compared to where you did? I, I personally, I, I feel, you know, I, I do a lot of coaching with, with kids. Uh, my son played in the IQ of basketball. Like you said, it's totally different. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think these guys understand what a heat check is. You know, if a guy makes two or three in a row, the ball is supposed to go to him the next play until he missed. That's just basketball. That's just us being players. We understand that. You know, everybody, I think these kids, they watch Steph Curry shoot the three ball. They watch James Harden shoot the three ball, but they don't understand how much time these guys put in when nobody's watching to deserve to do that. You know, and so the IQ of basketball is totally different from when we when we was playing. You know, we used to have to go to the playground and sit all day to get on and play one game. And once you got on the playground, if you didn't win, you might as well go home because it's it's 100 people waiting to play. And so I think the playgrounds really helped me personally, playing with older men, playing with street ballers, and teaching me how to compete. And, and I carried that on playing in high school, junior high school and college. And, you know, I fell in love with the game of basketball. And I think that in this this day and age, because of the IQ. I mean, Lenny still play every now and then. I play in every now and then. They always ask me, how do he still make shots and he's not near, nowhere near fast as where he used to be? Or, you know, he can't he can't sprint like he used to be. But the IQ and just knowing when to get your shot off, how to get your shot off, angles, cutting people off, is, is, is really huge in the game of basketball. Today. And I think some of that's missing because of AAU and some other stuff that's going on. Lenny couldn't play on the playground though. He was in Buffalo, so that was only warm enough for the playground like six <laughs> weeks out of the year. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah we, <laughs> that is, yo, that that is one thousand percent correct. We only had six weeks of summer up there, man. So everything, everything else, man, had to be indoor, man. So that's why everyone asks, like, man, how'd you get so good? I said, man, it's, it's no, you got to be in the gym all day up there, man. Nothing else to do. YMCA, right? Now you said, sure. have, have you ever played on ice? That that was probably your answer, just. yeah man but i mean piggybacking off what Logue said i mean if you look at any four-year hugs guy that played big minutes you have to have that iq man i mean i I remember there were times where we would just be on a court man when we were out there playing it was like we were all on a string because we were all we all knew what we had to do and it was just some some things were just unspoken i mean it was just it was unbelievable you know, just the way we could communicate without communicating because of because of uh, the IQ. Steve, I got another game I want to ask you about the uh, your freshman year, really or really early in the season, really early in your career, though, that that great Alaskan shootout. Ooh. I mean, that's that goes down to one in history, one of the greatest games, I'd say. Kind of what uh, what was that like just so early in your career being able to experience something like that? Well, I stayed in the bathroom for about 25 minutes, man. He was banging on the door telling me, come on, now it's time to play. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> one, one of the biggest game. I'm, I'm at national TV. I'm a freshman. I'm going against Duke. We in Alaska. One of the biggest moments of my life, man. I was I was so nervous, man, until they tipped the ball up. And King was grabbing. He said, listen, man, we need you, man. We, we ain't got time to be nervous. Let's go. You know, and the guys, some of the guys gave me great confidence. Pete Fletcher, 
you know, you got you got um, some of those guys just giving you great confidence. Hey, we need you, man. So when the ball tipped up, all the nerves went out the window and we just played ball. I mean, it was if you look back on it, it was probably six or seven pros out of running four, right? You know, and for us to battle and grind, because Michael Horton got hurt at practice. That's why he didn't start. Michael Horton was the starting point guard. He ended up twisting his ankle, and I ended up getting a nod to start with yep. the uh, Alaska shootout. And, and Coach Bate, uh, as, as Lenny mentioned, he was a great tutor, uh, mentor for me and Lenny. Uh, on and off the floor, and he always used to tell me, hey, you got to be ready, and this is your time, you know, he's out, you got to step in, you got to lead this team, you got to help us get, get involved, you got to, you got to, you got to direct grown men, and we don't have no time for you to be nervous, and so after you hear all that, and you put in that work, after that ball tips up, it's time to go, I think that's the only game in my life where I didn't score a basket, that's the only game in my life that I didn't score a basket in the game. And we got the W. We fought all back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, I will, I will never forget. It's, it's some moments in UC history that I would never forget. And I thought, as I look back on it, I, I just thought Coach Huggins was a genius. And everybody talked about his defense. But he was actually an X and O guy. When, when, when it was time for us to win the game on that play that goes down in history, mm-hmm. the way he just corralled us, he said, I'm going to tell you a story. So he said, everybody get over here, get over here right now. Listen up. Rod, give me the board. He said, listen, Fletch, you're going to take it out. Kenya, you're going to be in the middle. You're going to fake back and you're going to come. Fletch, you throw the ball on him right on time. Melvin, soon as Fletch catches it, you fake up and go back. King and catch it in the air, turn Thor to Melvin, and let's get out of here. Just like that. And that's what happened. And then, ball in the air, Duke almost wins it. Listen, that's the – I don't think people realize that he made that shot. He made it, yeah. It was just late. (laughs) It was late, but the guy made this shot, man. Them people was going crazy because Tracy Langdon is from Alaska. And everywhere you went in there, they had size changing lane. It was just yelling everything, man. The guy made the shot. Could have sent us home with L, but hey, it is what it is, man. And now the rest is history. That was an unbelievable game. That kind of introduced me to uh, University of Cincinnati basketball right there. Lenny, same question for you. How about what was kind of your one game where you kind of were like, wow, this is this is big time. Collegiate basketball, right here. That the Paul game, yeah. <clears throat> because Pete Pete didn't play, so I honestly wound up getting hurt that game. Um, and they, uh, I had a severe ankle sprain. I thought my ankle was broken. So when they won the game, actually the same thing happened, right? Quint Richardson hit a half court shot, but it was yeah. too late. Yeah, it was too late. <laughs> late. And yeah, I, so I was in the, you know, I was in the in the back in the locker room, and I'm. And Jade, our trainer, I'm like, what's going on? He's like, we came back, we're winning. Kenya just made, you know, made the shot. DJ just hit it. And everybody came running. You could hear them running down the tunnel. And they come in, they knock me off the table. Now I'm in there with my leg <laughs> up. They come in, knock me off the table, and then Kenya carried me to the plane because we flew private, carried me to the plane on his um on his back. Or I'll never forget that, man. But that game was the kind of 
the same moment Logue had where it was like, man, this is real, right? This is real Cincinnati basketball. No time to be scared. You got to get out here, man, and, 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 and go play, man. So similar, similar. Tell, tell me about the pressure of being number one in the country that season, of being like the team that everybody was gunning for. Like, you know, you guys weren't yet to the point where you were a couple of years late. And I'm sure this, what you learned as young guys helped when you were vets and you were the number one team in the country. But, but tell me about that, like everyday pressure on you guys, knowing the target, it's not just that you're top 10 or, you know, you're a, you're dangerous team. You're the number one team. you got the number one player. You got a legendary coach. Every day there had to be just like a, a, a weight on you guys of the greatness that was expected. Coach, Coach Huggins was such a mental genius that he actually, mm -hmm. he actually taught, it's going to sound a little weird, but he actually taught us to embrace it. Hey, sure. he used to tell us, to. He, used, he used to tell us, only body, the only people that care about us is us in this locker room. We go out here and play and fight against the world. And so we started to embrace the pressure. And not only that, that our practices was so hard for three hours, our games felt easy. And yeah. as a player, Lenny understands what I'm talking about. Sometimes we would play a game and and after the game, we'll be like, anybody want to go back to the gym and play again? Anybody want to go hoop? Because that's how much <laughs> hugs put on us. And that's how much great in shape we was. That's how much we, we practice. And that's how much we love the game. So on the road, we would be so focused that we didn't even look at the media, what they was talking about and what people were seeing. We just embraced the moment and, and wanted to go out there. It's a different feeling, man, when you got your brothers with you out there willing to die out there and play to win a game it's not a better feeling man when you competing man and we always want to just go out there and show the world that we're some of the best athletes to come out of the university of cincinnati man we so we we was taught to embrace that pressure and all that negativity now sure. yeah chad, chad that was um piggybacking off with Logue, so that's definitely true man i mean you know, we didn't, and again, you know, you look back, man, we were kids, right? We were like 18, you know, 19 right. years old, you know, I mean, so we didn't even really understand it enough to, you know, the one thing we knew, <clears throat> hey, here's me and here's where I came from. <laughs> here's where I am now, which right. is better than where I came from. <laughs> and, you know, we got, we, we, we got to, you know, we got to get out here and we got to do what we got to do. Um, but I never really felt you know, never felt any pressure, man. You know, we were all brothers. We were all in the foxhole together. Hugs always had our back. The city always had our back. I mean, the pressure that you had, now I'm going to tell you the pressure you had around Cincinnati, was you better score some points and play in the game, man, because if not, walking around that city, they will <laughs> let you know about it. <laughs> <laughs> man, you could be in McDonald's, man. The dude said, man, what's up? How you missed seven shots in a row? You're like, man, jeez, let me get this together, man. <laughs> Can I, get, can I get my fries, man? Come on. Exactly, man. <laughs> now, DJ talks about he somehow had a key to, to 
break into the gym and do shoot arounds late at night. I think he said him and Satterfield used to break in. There was somebody was it James maybe with them. I mean, if, as well? if you have the key, it's not breaking in. Not breaking in. No, I, I don't mean, be, they weren't I, supposed I to be in there either, though, right? I don't want to be no parts of that. Okay. <laughs> 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 I just didn't know if you guys all had a similar thing. Is that something that was passed down from from generation to generation? Or, or is that something that they did on no, their own? Would, no, it was us because um, we had – so we had a – so we would call it the 2 a.m. league is what it was called, right? We would we – would, so this is around the time when the Lakers were in the finals against um, the Trailblazers. So, you know, you got Kobe, Shaq headed up against, you know, Rasheed Wallace, Scottie Pippen, that crew. So we're in the dorms watching these games, but, I mean, it is – the whole everyone in in there the dorm. I mean, Log um Kevin, um our, our guy Kev. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of friends of the of 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 ours. So when the games were over, we would go get shots up, and then we would just play pickup basketball at two o'clock in the morning with you know some of the the regular normal students, man, just to work on our game. But it was uh, we called it the two a.m. league because it was it, we would literally wait until those finals went off, and then we would go to the gym at like two o'clock in the morning and and, and get up shots and play. You see, for me. It was a little different for me because my freshman year, I got introduced to Woodward, where some of the best players in the city would come, and Xavier, OU, uh, Rice State, Dayton, guys would come over to Woodward and, and play. And we did that three times a week. After practice, after hugs practice, we'd go get something to eat. And we'd go over to Woodward and play, and it'd be great runs in there. We'd play for two or three more hours just working on our craft and our game. And some of the best street ball players, uh, guys from college want to get that extra work in, we'd be over there in that sweat box, man, getting it in, man. And it, it's just – it's just that's what happens when you love the game, man. You can't get enough of it. So we get enough. some of the best runs that you can have over at Woodward, man. I mean, looking back on that stuff, Lo, we would, we, I mean, we would literally play basketball all day, all day long, all day long, man. all day long, man. all day long. You know, and and you know, and only time you really took a break from basketball, it was when you getting your schoolwork done. When you was getting your schoolwork done, you wanted to get your schoolwork done fast enough and good enough to say, "Hey, I'm going to play over at such and such." You guys are all invited. Let's go. And so that's what that's yeah. how we live, man. Were there some pretty pretty legendary games that you can oh, recall from those? Oh, Woodward? Man, what? Oh, man, Woodward had the best man, run. Listen. Well, fill us in then. Let's hear it. Yeah, you you lose got... over there. You lose over there. You ain't you, you lose over there. Listen, I'm telling you, it was it was intense in there. But you don't want to lose because I mean you got Ruben Patterson, you got Corey, every pro guy that was back in town. Lenny plus Brown, the college, high, Lenny Brown, Posey, James Posey, uh Lenny Brown, the Lumpkins. You know what I mean? D. Williams. Uh, you got guys from oh, you what's the big boy name? Brandon. Um, Brandon Hunter, yeah. Brandon Hunter, Hunter played I mean, played with the Celtics for a couple years. Man, you had what's, what's my guy? Um, the, the a pro guys from Xavier. The um, oh man, Dave I mean West. it was it was not Dave West. Dave West was over there though. Dave, Dave was West over there. Lionel, there. Dave, Lionel, Lionel Chalmers. Um. Yeah, I mean, it was this thing was was the who's who now. It was who's who, over but there. it was we were all mixed up though. It wasn't like all this UC guys because they tried to put a rule in where only two of us could play together per team. You know what I mean? So we would be mixed in and, and you know mixed them in. But it was 
this was higher level basketball right here. Now. And that's how you really got your name in the city. I mean, they knew you went to college, but to get the respect from some of the street ballers and some of the street people in the city, you had to go through Woodward, man. You know, and it was sort of like some of those guys was at the summer league. You remember when they had the summer league over at uh, Purcell, that hot box over there, my freshman year. You know, you had to play. You had to play there in the summer, so you could really get your your basketball credit up, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was it was real serious, man. Cincinnati is, is is known for some some great basketball, and it's really historic, man. Were you running threes? A or thousand fives? degrees in that Purcell gym. A thousand <laughs> degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Were you running threes or fives over there? Who's running fives over there? Fives, yeah. Running fives, man. You know. You, you work out for three hours with Coach Huggins, that hell box, and then you drive <laughs> over, you drive over to Woodward, you know, grabbing something to eat on the way, go over there, and you play another two hours. I mean, you, I mean, hey, man, you working on your game. Then we would go to Xavier at night to play. We would go to Xavier at night, play over there, and then it was, it was time to go to, you know, call it a night, and then we wake up for conditioning in the morning, 5.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I share I share a story. I share a story with you. My freshman year, is this is when Lenny, this is when Xavier used to they used to get their team and come over and play in the summer. We'd call mm-hmm. and say, Hey, we bringing five over to Cincinnati or Cincinnati going over to Xavier for summer. So James Posey, Lenny Brown, Lumpkin, uh, and I forgot the African guy name. He was really tough defensively. Um, so they brought their five over to play. And so Kenya said, listen, we do not lose a game to these guys all day over here. I'm just letting y'all guys know that. And so the first game started and the ball was going out of bounds towards the corner. This open gym now. Lenny Brown dove in the stands with the chairs at the save the ball, bro, in an open gym. Damn, this broke his shoulder. I said, what in the world is going on here? I'm fresh from 18 years old, man. I'm talking just open gym basketball, man. I'm like, what in the world is going on over here? And that's how intense it was between Xavier and Cincinnati and the players wanting to win and have bragging rights of the city, man. It was nuts, man. And so that's our history, man. Our history is is like that now. That's what these kids don't understand is that we got to get back to that, man. We got to get back to that type of basketball, that type of effort, that type of com- competition. And we, it's it's gonna take a little bit, but I believe Wes will will um will lead that march for that, man. Do you think now, Wes's experience with the Duke North Carolina rivalry will obviously help with aiding towards that, Steve? Yeah, I, I think he. We're here, I think he's seen it. He's been in it, and he understands it. That's what I mm-hmm. think that helps him be the catalyst for it because he's been through it. See, if you haven't been through something or been a part of it, it's hard to get back to it. He's mm-hmm. seen it. He knows where the heights with North Carolina have been at. He knows the practices. He knows what type of players got to be over there getting it in. So I think he's going to work towards that. And he knows what type of city he's in where it embraces the basketball. So I think he has a good head start on what he has to do. And I think that I'm behind him. We behind him. We giving him support. And I think that um, he's the guy for it, man. Aaron? I'm just looking through the uh, the mailbag to see what we haven't what we well, haven't crossed up the list. One well, of the things that, go ahead. 
I was just going to say one of the things that came up, uh, Steve, somebody asked where you got the, uh, the little leg kick with your jump shot, how you have the little, the little curvature, if you will. Well, I was trying to – them six, nine guys was hawking me so hard, I was trying to get them off. <laughs> they didn't know if you were trying to get the, uh, the and one every time you were shooting. <laughs> no, but it, it, I don't know. It's just something that I, I started when I was a young man, and it just stuck with me. It's, uh, it's not personal where I'm trying to hurt anybody or anything like that, but I think it's something that I used to do when I was younger and smaller uh, that helped me get my shot off, and it just it just stayed with me. I got to ask about another crazy game uh, against Marquette at Fifth Third Arena. Dwayne Wade. Let's hear about that game, guys. Well, I'll, give you, I'll give you my side from, 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 from chasing D. Wade on. Right. Chasing D. Wade on. Right. Right. I'll, let Lenny, right. I'll let Lenny start that. Man. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it was so <laughs> so. Interesting. Our introduction to D-Wade was Huggins calling me in the office one day. Like, I need to talk to you, man. Come on, we're going to watch some film. So I said, all right. <clears throat> we sit down, and he turns the Marquette game on. Marquette was playing against East Carolina. And D-Wade shot the ball, fell on the floor, got up, got the rebound, and dunked it. Hoes looked at me and said, Lenny, this guy's going to be an NBA Hall of Famer. <laughs> this is what Hoes said to me. Hoes said, this guy's going to be an NBA Hall of Famer now. He was like, listen, you know, this is who you're going to compete for the next couple of years in the league. You got to – so, I mean, D-Wade didn't really do – you know, we, he didn't really kill us. I mean, you know, we held him – you know, we, we, we did what we were supposed to, like we always do, because nobody really ever torched us. Um, but, I mean, just – that dude was resilient, man. I mean, having to chase that dude around – and I knew he was never going to shoot a jump shot, but he just kept the pressure on you as an offensive guy, man. But, you know, great, you know, great thing. We had great, you know, great team defense. I you know, did, you know, did what I could, man. But I, And I piggyback off Lenny, and Lenny agree with this. We all thought that, and we still do, Emmanuel McElroy was one of the toughest players I ever played with. Sure. Defensively, he challenged you 94 feet, and he was a great defender. Now, when we seen what Wade did to him, we automatically knew that Wade was going to be an NBA star because Mac, he usually shuts down the opposing guy. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at Mac and just said, hey, man, it happened to the best of us, man. That <laughs> <laughs> was like – sure. Man, we called him Mac. Mac looked at me and said, "Man, this man is—he different, man. You know, he—he's different." Yeah, it was two guys. It was yeah. two. It was two guys like that. It was uh, Dewan Wagner, and um, and, and D Wade. Those were probably the two, two toughest wing guys that uh, out of out of the four years. And that was that was back when Dwayne Wade had both knees. Yeah. Yeah. Man, listen, listen, man. The man could have had no knees, man. That man was, <laughs> man was a player, man. Eventually, he, he did have no knees. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So he never, you know, he never trash talked. He never said anything out there on the floor. He, he just, he just, he just went to work, man. He wasn't a trash talker or nothing like that. He just played. Well, well how about the Donald Little shot? Was when that was up in the air? Are you like, okay, that's it. Or what no, are we? It was up yelling in, at up me. In the air. It, no, they were yelling the at me. Why did I pass the ball? They said, <laughs> "Why are you throwing it to D?" <laughs> and then they was like, "Oh, yay, D hit the shot." People didn't know. People see. People don't understand this. I know Lenny understands this. He knows this. 
Donald Little only had one eye, man. He was one a hell eye. of a player. Yeah, for he can only eye. see out of one eye. Man. You know, you do, people don't understand that. He has one eye. He can't see out his other eye. Wild. And for him to hit a shot like that and to play the years that he did at University of Cincinnati, it's a hell of a thing to do, man. He was great for one eye. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, no, I'm not definitely... trying to be funny yeah, or sure. anything like yeah, that. But we got, what do you say to that, though? Eye, man. What do you say to that? The, the list of great players with one eye is small. It's, it's pretty small. <laughs> he, he, he's up there. He's in top three, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, man. Yeah, these, yeah, these, these. I mean, that, again, that was that junior year, man. I mean, we won the conference tournament that year. I mean, I, that was that was a special year right there. And I did uh, We won 32 games. We 32 won 32 games. games that year. Two 32 games. So I got into it with hugs one day in the game because I keep throwing it. The, the ball down to D in the post, and D keeps dropping it. And Hugs pulled me over. He said, I wish you would throw it to the other side of him because he can't see in that eye. This is three years. I didn't play with D three this years already. <laughs> <laughs> None, None of us knew it. None of us knew it. I'm looking at Hugs like, what do you mean? He can't see. He said, he only has one eye, man. You can't throw it to that side. <laughs> this is three years playing with Donald. That's how good he was. I was like, that's, that's unbelievable. Man. I didn't even know to my fourth year with D. Wait, so, he told you that mid game? Yes, because D kept, I kept throwing it and D kept missing the ball. And I'm like, you had to be shook. I'm you like, what shook. do you want me to do? He said, I wish you'd throw it to the other side of him because he can't see out of that eye. So I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, low, he only has one eye. I'm like, I've been playing with this guy for three years and didn't know that. Yeah. D would take it per- D was good, but he'd take it personal. If you didn't, if if you so what we would do is we'd get to the lane and we just gonna throw the floater up and try and get it on. D gotta get it off the rebound because you know, taking that chance, D would get so bad, like man, dump it off to me, man. I gotta dump. Right. Like, you gotta take that over. Yeah, you gotta see management for that one. <laughs> So Melvin Levitt told me a story at one point about there being a marker thrown at a wall and people not being allowed to laugh. Do you guys remember this story? Man, Mel- I didn't play Mel- with Mel. I did. I played a year with Melvin. Melvin, and, I'm telling you, Melvin and Hugs got into it so much, man. It was like a love-hate relationship with them two, man. Especially that DePaul game. Yeah. The DePaul Hugs took. He was so mad at Mel for something. He took off a Rolex and threw it up against the chalkboard, man. Diamonds was flying everywhere. I'm like, this guy just broke a a $5,000 Rolex he that mad. You know what I mean? That's how intense it was. I was there for that game. Markers, Rolexes, and I I mean, they was just, it was a love-hate relationship between them guys, man. You know, Mel's another four-year guy you know, that have been through the program, did some great things for the program. Um, first guy I ever seen jump over a golf course, golf cart. I mean, golf, he over. could probably have jumped over a golf course. Maybe. So, yeah, right. <laughs> for sure. He jumped over the for golf sure. court. I was like, did he really just do that? I mean, so that let me know you can throw that ball anywhere up there and he'd go get it. You know, uh, he was a he was a tremendous athlete. I think it was before you, but were you around when he dropped the class? Did you ever hear that story, Lo? No. All right, what what he what he do? He dropped a class to go below twelve hours. 
<laughs> no, I didn't. What? <laughs> what? No, I, so, didn't, hold on, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> Chad, come on, man. We need this story. Hold oh, no, on. Yeah, I need to hear this one. <laughs> this is, I, I wasn't there. This is secondhand, but this is what I've heard. So he he does he's not thinking of the repercussion of like dropping the class. You got to add a class to get back above twelve hours. So he drops the class. So he spends all day getting it fixed. He's with the academic people all day, and he misses practice. So he he walks in, mm. and they're in the they're in the armory. And remember, they used to have all the pictures on the wall in the armory. Mm-hmm. So Mel walks in, and practice is like you know probably two and a half, almost three hours in. Mm. And and hugs is like apoplectic that, yeah, that yeah. this he's, has happened. He's going crazy. And I I, I think and, and pardon my French here. This isn't this is me quoting someone. This is not me saying this. <laughs> the the story goes: He's walking back across the floor, and and hugs says, "Mel, you are the dumbest motherfucker I've ever met." <laughs> and look around. This is the dumb motherfucker Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, I wasn't Chad, I, really, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't hear that I didn't see that one I think that no, might have been the year before me yeah but, I think it was it was either his sophomore or junior year but that that's the story as I've heard it we're gonna have to get Mel on that at one point in time yeah oh, you, gotta, sure, you gotta man. have him you gotta have him quote that one man <laughs> well I mean and it was perfect because you had all the pictures like you know all oh, the really? Bearcat basketball history on the wall right around you the dumb motherfucker Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, hugs, hugs, is, hugs is crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, hilarious, man. So I have to ask kind of a depressing question. Mm-hmm. And, and people aren't going to like that I ask this, but I, I need to know. Kenyon goes down. And I, I, I don't need to know, like, what the thought process was in that moment because I'm sure you guys were even worse than all of us. I was – at a bar watching the game, a noon tip off, getting lunch, maybe having a beverage or two. And like, I, I couldn't eat. I was, I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I, I was done for the day. So I can only imagine where you guys were at as that happened. Yeah. But take us through that next week. Like you got to get ready to play in the NCAA tournament. You're the, you're the favorites. You're, you know, right. how so, Chad, I think- was all of that? Logan, I'll get this one early and then let you kind of – I'm going to tell you, so the, for me, it, it was the equivalent of walking home every day. And, you know, you, you got the bully. <laughs> you got six or seven bullies. And then you got your big brother with you, so they don't say anything to you. And then this day your big brother oversleeps and you got to walk down the street by yourself. And those guys just pounce on you, man. That's what it felt like from our side, man. It was just – we were just – you know, ran through the season and it, you know, it, it was just unbelievable because Kenyon was such a warrior to watch him um, go down like that. But I do think, and this is just me, if that happens earlier in the year, you guys are we, fine. We, yeah, we're fine. I think we can get through. Um, I think we can get through, get through that um, at that point. I mean, not to the level of where he was, but I think we could have held it together enough to get back there. I just think it happened so late. And no one really knew what to do because he was the end-all, be-all. Well, and so many people look at that team and they think, like, because they didn't experience it, that it was it was Kenyon. But there was so much talent on that team. Like, yeah, but it's, sure. it's almost like 
can you ride a bike without a chain? That's a good analogy. analogy. You can't, you can't, you, he was our leader. You can't go anywhere. Where are you going to go? You know what I mean? It was, it was his senior year. I mean, he's going number one in the draft. He's having an unbelievable season. Everything we did went through him. And now, mm -hmm. unfortunately, he goes down. We was just trying to, we, we just wanted to make sure he was okay. We didn't care about For that. Sure. You know, after he yeah. went down, everybody's focus was, was, was he's going to be okay, man. You know, and then the game came after that. You know, after he went down, didn't nobody want to play, man. You know, it was just yeah, like, it was, well, you know, it was like he went down. I mean, the game going on, we were just so worried about him that the game went out the window. And that's how almost like this how the season went, man. You know, we was picked, we knew in our mind that we was gonna win the NCAA college championship that year. We knew that. That's how we played. Yeah, what so when him going down and being out indefinitely for the rest of the rest of the season, we couldn't bounce back from that, man. Emotionally and physically and mentally, we couldn't bounce back for that. How, how hard was that week? Like, I, I imagine, like, it, looking back on it now, how much of it is just a blur because it didn't seem like it was real. I mean, you think? I mean, like Lo said, we. I mean, we were. We had no lack of confidence that we were going to win the NCAA tournament day, right? So, I mean, to lose him, it's like, I mean, it was, it was I mean, could, I mean, again, back to where it all, where we're, you know, where we all come from, our hometowns, just our friends, our family. I mean, do you know how special winning that, winning that, winning the whole NCAA tournament is? Oh, man, that, Gosh. I mean, one of the, I mean, that, that was, especially for the city of Cincinnati. I mean, I mean, it was just, it was just depleting. You know what I mean? It was like, it was, it was, it was depleting, man. How much have either of you run into those Michigan state guys and been like, you got my ring in my first. Well, Mateen Cleves, Mateen Cleves, <laughs> one of my really good friends, man. I played against Mateen yeah. in the D league all the time, man. He, good he guy. teased me about it all the time. Yeah. Man. Great guy. Mateen, a great guy. Good dude. I'm sure he's like, thank you. Like we know, we know we weren't going to win that title if you were in it. Yeah. They, sure. and they, they will say that, they had a chance, but they had no answer for the power. <laughs> right. That year, uh, I mean, the way we was clicking between Pete, um, Fletch coming off the bench, knocking shots down, me, Lenny, everybody played. Lamar, Every, yeah, Lamar said, everybody played a role, man. Everybody had a part in this thing. You know what I mean? And everybody understood they were. I don't think another team in that year was that deep where you can bring three or four guys off the bench, man, and keep rolling, man. It was just that team was unreal, you know, just just on the remembrance. You had a guy, people don't even know they got you got a guy by the name of Ace McGee that was from Chicago that was was a dog, man. Left-handed, man, you know, was fighting for minutes, just like Lenny and I. I mean, we had some talent on that team, man, that was unspoken of. And so when everybody got their chance, they feel like it was their chance to roll. And I don't think Michigan State had a chance, man. Honestly. Let, let's start a real fight. Yeah. 2,000 Bearcats, 92 Bearcats. <laughs> man, we win, man. What type of how, – How many? Listen, how many is the question? <laughs> how, do, how many do we win by? And, you know, I love my former Bear, uh, former Bearcats, Van Axel, uh, Corey, and E. Martin, and – T Nail and all them, man. They're my guys, man. I love them, but they didn't have a chance, man. I mean, Nick would have been a problem. 
Nick, oh, okay, as players, I'm going to say this as players. Nick would have been a problem, but we would have figured it out. <laughs> That's how we play. That's how we play. That's true. What you're saying is true, Chad. He would have been a problem, but by halftime, we'd have, we'd have, we're going to figure this out. Chad, uh, Chad, so here, here's what I'm saying, right? Go back and look at that our team in 2000. Other than Mark Karcher, he was the only one. Yeah, he went to in work. that Temple game. He Ooh. went to work on us. He went to work on us. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody other than that scored. It may have been one or two people sprinkled in with twenty points. I don't think anybody really. I don't think anybody really went on a on anything on a tear um, against us offensively. It's like then, again, because we figured it out so quickly. Right? What'd you put out? We stop, Chad. We stop Nick. Where do they go? Yeah. Not where would, they go. Would you put iMac on Nick? Manuel? Mac wasn't on that team. He wasn't on that Who would you put on Nick? Pete? So give me their start. What was their starting five? It probably would have been Pete. Probably been. Because you, you, at the two was. You got Slim at the two for up. Hold on. Buford was there too, right? Yeah, I think so. Um. You got uh, T Rat uh, might have been there too. Herb Jones. Herb Jones, right? Herb Jones, yeah. Corey Blunt, Anthony Corey Buford, Buford, Terrence Buford, Gibson, T Rat, um, Eric Martin, and Nick Martin. Terry, Nick. Nick. That's it. Jeff Scott. It don't matter who yeah, was so guard to... Nick. We was guard Nick. <laughs> That's what we're trying to tell you. We're all guarding it because they can't go nowhere else. We, Corey gets it. We're going to go eat a hot dog while he shoot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, hey, listen, Look, man. man. We're, hey, we, listen, we smart ball players, man. We, <laughs> T. Nelson ain't going to throw it in the ocean. <laughs> After we figure out, you got T. Rag guarding Demar Johnson. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> it's not, bro. It's not gonna happen. I mean, T. Rat was a really good defender at six two, but he ain't he ain't he slowing was. down Demar. Listen, man, Demar, Demar, that freshman year, he gonna take he gonna take that right to left crossover. Oh boy! And it was gonna be a pull up jump shot, or it's gonna be or it's gonna be a dunk. And if if you ain't never seen that right to left crossover that he has before, the first four times you're gonna go for it. <laughs> then you're gonna figure out like oh here it come again it's coming i'm not sure i've ever seen steve logan dunk before tonight but he just dunked all over everyone <laughs> oh man Very look true. man we 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 win we win that game man and again we love them guys i mean them guys i mean they made us right they're, they're yeah. my brothers man our brothers man but we we win that game man we win that game man and, and they would say the same thing they'd come yeah. on here and say the same thing yeah for sure but see but, their pressure we got outlets to go through through their pressure. They're going to pressure us, but we can give that ball up to eat any player on our team and they can go get a basket. Right. Anybody. Go down the line. Anybody. You saying, you saying T now can't go get you a bucket? Hey, listen. I want onions, ketchup, mustard on my hot dog. That's what I'm going to that guy. When he shoot the ball, <laughs> ketchup, onions, and mustard, man. <laughs> I'm not thinking about it. We, hey, you know why you open? Because you're supposed to be open. That's what coach open. taught you. 
Yeah, for sure. So, Steve, last time I talked to Lenny, I made him tell me a story about Huggins. I said, we already know that there's stories that you can't ever tell. Yeah. There's there stories that you want to tell, but you still can't tell. And then there's the stories you can tell here. So do you have a good Bob Huggins story that you can share with us here? A good Bob Huggins story? This is how I knew Huggs was a, a, a stone-cold winner. So we're in, um, I think we're in Puerto Rico or Dominican Republican. And so we're playing in a tournament. And the first game of the tournament, you know, it was a rule. Hugs played by a rule that, hey, nobody's hurt. I don't care what happens. You practice, you don't you get hurt. No, Puerto Rico. No, Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. You get hurt. You get hurt on your own time. I don't care. You don't get hurt in the game. You know, I don't care about you getting hurt. Everybody plays. So my first game there for the tournament, I sprained my ankle severely. I'm talking about, man, I got a, I got a, a, a semi-baseball on my ankle. I turned it over so bad I can't even walk. In the game or on the beach? In the game. <laughs> the game. Right. So they carrying me off and everything, and, you know, I, I, I didn't finish the game or whatever. We ended up winning the game. So we get back to the hotel. I no, I actually I actually go see the doctor. That's how bad it was. I actually go see the doctors and they ended up letting me go and stuff like that. I didn't break none, but it was a severe high ankle sprain. Okay. And so they send me back to the hotel to speed the story up. And so I got to level the trainer Jade at the time. I'm getting ice. I mean, I got my foot in a balloon and everything so the doctor the doctor there at the uh the place at, at puerto rico tells jade our training said listen he needs a week or two off man he got a high ankle sprain and jade was like okay i'll let coach hugs know <laughs> so, we get, <laughs> so, we get, so we get back to we get back to the room and so i'm taking all the precautions that you know you know, I know I can't play the next day. I got to put this stuff. I got to go through everything Jay tells me to do. I got, you know, I'm getting ice. I'm doing everything he told me to do. So at the end of the night, Jay just puts the boot on me. He said, listen, you got to sleep with this as a cold boot. You got to sleep with it all night. And by the time the morning come, the swelling will be down a little bit. And I'm like, okay, th thanks, Jay. I appreciate everything. So Jay leaves. 45 minutes later, I hear a knock on the door. I'm like, who is it? Like, what are you, so you know, I'm laid up. I can't get the door. Coach Hugs, get the door. I'm like, <laughs> what does he want? So I hop up and get the door and everything. And he comes in and sit right there inside of the bed. And um, he just looks at me. I'm laying there. I think he had, had a couple beers or whatever. He got his hat on, his face tomato red. I already know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's up, man? You know? He's like, you know what? <clears throat> I know how you feel, but we need you to play tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, the man, the doctor said, I need two weeks off, man. I then it broke my ankle, man. Like, I can't, how am I gonna play tomorrow? I, it's impossible. He's you know like, who was playing, Lowe? He was playing Alabama. Yeah, he's playing. He said, you know what? Lowe. Them doctors really don't know too much. You're gonna be fine by the morning. Yeah, yeah, your ankle's gonna be down. You're gonna have a little bit of mobility in it. We're gonna tape you up. 
and we're going to get you out there, and we're going to go win this championship. I'll see you in the morning, buddy. Be ready for breakfast. And he left. And I'm thinking, man, what type of guy is this? But I tell you one thing, by the time I woke up in the morning, my ankle was better. And I played that game on one leg, and we won the championship. That's how I knew he was a stone cold winner, man. It was just I just looked at him like, man, how I can't play. He's like, you're gonna be ready to go in the morning. And I'm just like, well, we'll see, man. You know, he's like, them doctors don't know what they're talking about, man. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, and, unreal, man. And that was an overtime game, too, if I'm looking at it right. 77-74 overtime win. Yeah, we squeaked sure. out of there, man. Oh, squeaked out of there. One leg, man, for real. Lenny, we got to hear yours now. I We haven't heard it here on the BBP. Yeah, you, um, you another hug store? On, you dropped that one on part of the punctuation, so we, we, we got to drop another one <laughs> I'll here. Give, I'll give you – um. so mine's more off the court. Um. So we are playing – this is my senior year. Logan's gone. We are playing Oregon in the um in the tournament out in uh in New York City. Yep. So we fly to New York, and when we get to New York, BJ Grove is my roommate. BJ, BJ had a problem with yeah, BJ's my brother. I love BJ. BJ had a problem with making weight though, so he couldn't really make the weight. So Kenyon is playing for the Nets at the time. So Kenyon comes and picks me up and hugs. You know. I'm going with Kenyon. He's all right, cool. So I go with Kenyon. Kenyon takes me to dinner. Me and him go to dinner. And when I come back, this is the luck that BJ had. When I come back, hug, I get on the elevator. The pizza delivery guy gets on the elevator. Now, BJ is not supposed <laughs> to eat pizza at all, right? At all. And at all. Like, no pizza. <laughs> He's supposed to be on a strict veggie diet to lose weight. <laughs> so this is the luck BJ had. We get on the elevator. I get on. When I get on, Hugs and Jay get on. And the elevator doors are closing. Jay holds the door. The pizza guy gets on. We press the button to eight to go to floor number eight. Hugs is looking at the pizza guy like, what floor? He's like, I'm going to eight. Hugs is like, you're going to eight? He's like, my team is on eight. Who, what room are you going to? The guy said, 815. He said, Jay, who's at 815? Jay looked at me. He goes, Lenny and BJ. <laughs> so Hugs, <laughs> Hugs takes the pizza from the pizza guy. Jay, pay him. <laughs> Jay pays the guy. We walk to the room, right? He said, open, he said, Lenny, open the door. I said, man, what? Now, now you're gonna make me look bad in front of BJ. <laughs> like I set him up, right? So I opened the door. Man, hugs. You fat, get your out here. BJ comes out, man, hugs, throws the pieces down, man, stomp all over the pieces. This what you wanted? Look, look. Stomped all over the pizza, man. And then the next day we went to team meal. BJ had to eat a salad while we were at like the best steakhouse in New York City. <laughs> so I sold BJ a pair of uh, Jordans at Northgate Mall when he was a player. Like that was that he's a as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old kid, however old I was, like he's a giant man. BJ's a big person. BJ could play too. BJ, yeah. big guy, has soft touch, man. Real yeah. soft touch, man. BJ was a player. Yeah, he was a player. Lenny, how about that Oregon game, though? Whew. That was pretty oh, awesome. Yeah, we knew. Yeah, we knew we were going to beat them, man. That 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 league that they play in, man, is all about up and down speed. So we knew, you know, Hug said, listen, if anybody, if Luke Rittenauer or Luke Jackson catches this ball with a full steam ahead, 
you, you ain't playing the rest of the season to whoever. So we went out there, man. We uh we locked those guys. I think they had. I mean, I don't know. You may have it in front of you. I don't think they mm-hmm. combined for ten points. I I mean, they only scored fifty two. So yeah, yeah, we locked we yeah, we locked them down. We beat them up pretty bad that game. That was that was Tony Bobbitt coming out party, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. Tony had a real good game that game. Okay. Okay. Aaron, any more? Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, Steve, I know you haven't done any podcasts before. So, you know, as we're wrapping up here, I didn't know if there were any last gems you wanted to drop here as as we kind of close things out. Um, you know, whether we, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We can't let him go yet. We got, <laughs> we got, we got a, we got a real question that we got to get to. Real. Real. We have not seen a jersey retired since Kenya Martin. I'm a big proponent. Uh, I don't think – I think, like, the way that they've done it, if they want to do it National Player of the Year, like, that's a your numbers retired. I think there should be jerseys retired for the greats. Where, no, he you know, the, the criteria, Chad, the criteria is first-team All-American jersey retired. Yeah. So, I got three guys, Lo. I got three guys. I want you to make your case. Steve Logan, Danny Fortson, Sean Kilpatrick. Why should Steve Logan be first on that list? I'd have you second, personally. I'll let you – I'd have you second. I'll tell you – I would have Danny first. Danny Fortson, man, was – Danny Fortson is one of my favorite players out of the University of Cincinnati. Has always been. He's one of the reasons why I chose University of Cincinnati. I tell people to this day that – I'm a huge Danny Forsen fan just by how he played and what he stood for. I truly believe that the body of work that Danny Forsen did at Cincinnati uh, deserves his, his jersey being retired. Does it deserve to be retired before me? Humbly saying? <laughs> it's hard to answer. That's hard to answer. You, all three of you, are, those, those are three great, three great options. First of all, Americans – Definitely because we're, we're, you know, the body of work, if we're going to, what if, what are we going off of to make my Jersey go up before his or his go up before mine or Sean's go up before us? What do we look right. at? What do we look at to grade that? And so, because if you go, like a lot of people would say points, which you're, you're, you're third, Sean's second. Yeah. But Danny would have been. How many years did Sean play at University of Cincinnati? He played four and he had a redshirt year. So he played five years. He was there five years. You had four. Danny had three. Danny would have been the only person in the history of the program to get close. He wouldn't have caught Oscar, but he'd have gotten close if he'd have came back for that senior year. He would have had to play three more years to catch Oscar Robinson. Yeah. No, That's no. He's, he's, he was, what, a thousand points behind? You're talking two years, maybe. No, he wouldn't have caught him his senior year, but he but he would have been the only person to get ever. Oh, close. you say close? Okay, yeah, yeah, close. Right. He right. wouldn't I have caught Oscar, that. but he'd have been in the ballpark. Yeah, he would have definitely been in the ballpark of that. Um, because I think he's what fifth. I think Danny's fifth top, or sixth. He's definitely top ten. He's definitely yeah. top ten. Um, we got to look at the body of, of of work. If we're what's the question? What makes a, what makes me more better than them. You know, I can sit here and riddle off stuff, but it's not, it's not fair for me to do that. I don't feel, you know, I was, I'm, I, Sean Patrick did some great things 
at the University of Cincinnati. He scored the ball. You know, he won games. He was a bunch of Mick Cronin. Uh, I did some great things. I'm a Hall of Famer over there as well. I think that the one thing, Chad, that I will say that edges me above both of them is that I got the most wins out of any player that ever came out of there. Yeah. At 5'11". Player, yeah. player of the year back-to-back. And they're playing extra games now. You didn't play as many games as they're playing I now. Play, I didn't play as many games, but I'm the number one winningest player to ever win through Cincinnati. How many Naismith Award winners are there? That's a good question. Well, and, and I've, I've, got, question, I've got another but, stat. And then it goes back to I fit the criteria for I got my degree because mm-hmm. All-American. So now it comes to the question on why isn't the jersey hung up? What's the reason for the jersey not being hung up in the arena? Everywhere else in America, they do it. The right answer is all three. You should be in the Raptors. Yeah, definitely. No, that's the right answer. Agree. I definitely agree with that. But you were saying what makes me more. I mean, I just want your, I, I want your opinion, like your, your, your case, make your state the Steve Logan case I, to go I'm up first. Make, I'm, like I said, I made one statement that I got the most wins out of wins. anybody in school history. That's fair it. enough. And also, also Steve Logan is the fourth most points scored in a single season. Guess who is one, two, and three? Oscar. Oscar. So, I mean, most, most wins and then the most points scored in a single season not named Oscar is also something that should be pretty pretty doggone high up on that list as well. Yeah, but that's that's real, and I appreciate that, Brent. That's but both of those guys is it's well deserving of their their jersey being hung up. Uh, who comes first, and that's like that. I I don't know the order, but um, maybe uh, Lenny speaks on that. What did my buddy go? Uh, do? Lenny didn't want to hear you talk about yourself. He left. <laughs> Well, I guess he he dropped out. <laughs> He's in Miami, man. I mean, yeah, I don't. <laughs> he probably so, ran alive. <laughs> but that I, I think, I think the city. You know, that's the question that I get asked a lot from the city and, and friends, and and saying, you know, what do you have to do to get your jersey hung up? You know, and and explaining them some. It, it is criteria to it. You just can say, hey, I want this guy jersey to hang up. You got to go down the list and say, hey, this guy covered this, this, and this. He's definitely a candidate for going up, you know, and it's been a while. You know, Mick was there, and it didn't get hung up. You know, Brennan was there, and it didn't get hung up. So so some people got some, some scenarios and things that they think that something's going on with the school and this and that. I don't like to get into stuff like that, man. You know what I mean? I really right. You know, I, I, I love the University yeah. of Cincinnati. You know what I mean? I love the people in Cincinnati. Uh, the college gave me an opportunity to play there, and I just embraced that. I'm gonna try not to get into the politics of uh, why yeah. this person hasn't done this or why your jersey is not hanging up. You know, I just like I just like to remember the good times at the university. Absolutely, and I don't want to get into the the, the the politics and the 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 nasty side of it either. But my point being, there are guys. This is a proud, tradition-rich program. And part of being a proud, tradition-rich program is honoring the guys that got you there. That's right. And guys like you, guys like Danny, guys like Sean, guys like Nick, guys like Gary Clark, 
that, that did stuff that no other Bearcat had done in terms of double doubles or, you know, the, you know, the, all the things that Gary did, like it, it, it just, I don't want to say it like makes me mad, but it, it, it almost makes me sad yeah, that they haven't done a good job yeah. honoring what all you guys did and what you've meant and what it means for somebody to walk into the arena yep. and say to their kid, like that guy up there, I watched him kill it. Right. Like, like I watched him, I watched him outscore a team. Right. <laughs> well, and especially I, as- I, I watched him be the number one seed in the NCAA tournament a couple of times. I watched them be the best team in the country. Like right. those are those conversations that happen because your Jersey's hanging on the wall. Right. Well, especially as they get older, like they should be able to go back to the arena and be like, yeah, look at what I did to, with their, with their own kids. With their kids. Yeah. You know, I personally, me personally, I don't think Danny Fortson is supposed to be in this conversation. I think his jersey is supposed to be hung up 10 years ago. Honestly, you're not wrong. I don't think you're he not wrong. Be in this conversation at all. Um, like you brought up to Patrick. Yes. Gary, maybe, you know what I mean? So yeah, Gary wasn't the first team all American. So right. he's got a little less, but I'm just saying like the, the, the greats are the greats. Right. Right. And you know, it's, it's, and that's what I think. Uh, Coach West understands the tradition and the history about the program. You know, you like you said, that brings people together. People want to see that. You know, this is Cincinnati. This was our guy. You know, he did this, like you said, Chad. He did this. He's hanging up there. And then it's a it's a it's a story piece when you're at a game, like you right. said. You know, you eat food there. You talking to your friends. You remember when when Danny did this? I remember that game. And, and so it's 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 memories that. You don't want to go to a school that tries to kill memories of things that, you know, you want to keep memories alive, man. You know, and that's my only take of it, you know, is that it's it's hard to see a, a kid out there with the jersey 25 out there or the jersey 22 out there or 23 out there. You know what I mean? For 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 a person or a player that did so that did much, so much for the school to see. To see- your jersey still out there on the floor is sometimes just mind-boggling. And Lenny, Lenny skipped out. He didn't want to hear you talk about yourself, but now he's back. <laughs> Aaron warned him. Aaron said, we're almost done. Come on back, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, he has a take on it. Um, you know, he has some great points on um, – why the jersey should be hanging up, you know. Um, and I listened to some of his advice about it as well. I mean, he's right on a lot of the stuff that he, that he speaks upon. He does his research and he does his homework on stuff before he speaks. So uh, I always entertain what he has to say. Giving you an introduction, Lenny. <laughs> I'm, sending, um, I'm sending a tweet out today, or we all should do it, 10,000. 10,000 likes. Got to get Let me say that again. Yeah, you're cutting in and out real bad. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, now, yeah I got you yeah, now. You're good. No, I said we, we got we to gotta do something on Twitter to get the campaign going, man. We got to get to 10,000 likes, man, to get these jerseys retired, man. That shouldn't be tough to do. The, the, the arena holds 13,000, right? Right. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's time. And then, and, and I, I, I didn't really mean to pose it because I just wanted to hear like a, 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 what you had to say to state your case, but look, you should be up there. Danny should be up there. Sean should be up there. 
True. True. Nick should Nick should be even though it was two years. Nick should be up there. Like, come on, the 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 part of being a historically great program, the part of being a program that's been number one, you know, in the top ten in the country, a a, a, a top ten program all time is honoring the guys that got it there. That's true. It's not a select club. It's true. It's not a select sure. club because it wasn't done by Oscar and Kenya. Oscar and Kenyon were obviously the, the exceptions to the rule on being transcendent, but there's a whole hell of a lot of guys yeah. that need their hat tip as to, to what they did to get us here. Yeah. They were cornerstones. And then there were plenty of other building blocks that got it. That got you there. Yeah. And, and then there are guys like, like Lowe that's got a wing. Sean yeah. Kilpatrick's got a wing. Danny right. Fortson's got a wing. And, like, and, and Steve, like you're saying, when there's a, you know, a family, a, a dad points to points to these players up on there in the rafters. Then all of a sudden you get to talking and all of a sudden this kid falls in love with the school. And, you know, down the line, it's, it just grows the fan base even more. And so, I mean, that's that's what it's all about in the end. It's just growing the fan yeah. base, keeping the tradition alive and just just powering through that. And I think I think I think these are some of the things, you know, as we talk to, um, you know, to John Cunningham, the AD, um, you know, I think, I don't think these things are at the top of mind for him. Again, he's got to win. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think these are things that we can bring up to him that, you know, I think can, you know, especially with this year with, you know, with Wes being the new, new coach and kind of giving a spark. I think these are some of the things that we can do to create some, you know, some, some, some fanfare around um, what he's going to bring. So, um, you know, hopefully we can have some success doing it. Well, right, again, yeah. I was going to say, I was just going to say, uh, while we have you here, if there's anything else you want to throw out before we let you go for the night, uh, we again thank you, Steve, for letting us be the first platform that you've really spoken on in in quite a while. Um, so that much is is very much appreciated on our end. But if either you have any other dimes you want to drop before you're on your way out, Steve, you're a natural, by the way, an absolute <laughs> natural. Right. Hey, I just sure. I appreciate you guys for uh, what you guys do, man. You know getting the truth out there. You know, I like the narrative of what you guys do, like I said, and I appreciate you having me on. Um, just keep doing what you guys doing, man, inspiring people to get the right message across. Um, I follow you guys. You know, you got my support if you need anything or you want to revisit something. You guys got my support, man. Logan, you got anything? Any announcements? Anything you, you, you got going? Me? Right now? Yeah. I mean, one thing about me, Lenny, you know, is that my my passion has always been like player development. I can do that on the side of what I do. I don't care what type of job I have. I'm always in the gym working kids out, you know, when I have free time. And so um, as for me, I'm always training kids. It ain't a time off when I'm not. So I, I do that on the side of what I, I usually do my main job. So um, so how do kids get in touch with you, man? Come on, yeah. man. Stop being shy. Yeah. Man. You know, I'm on Twitter. I mean, you know I'm on Twitter, man. That's Steve Logan. <laughs> I'm on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I don't know how else you guys want to get at me. I don't know if I put my number out there or nothing like that. <laughs> I know you're in a I know you're in part of the punctuations Bearcat Nation group on, on Facebook. So yeah, you're, so you're I, active on there. My my thing is, you know, I, I love to train kids. Um you know, I don't like to have more than 10 or 15 kids in the gym at a time because I always want to be hands-on with them. I don't want nobody getting neglected, but mm-hmm. I'm, and always, I'm always doing that two or three times a week. So uh, you're, you're local these days, right? Down yeah, here in Cincinnati? I just, I, I just moved back to Cincinnati. 
So, you know, I'm fresh back in the city. Um, you know, just, just my passion is basketball, man, training, you know what I mean? It's something that I like to do. Um, we're closer to the university uh, to help out with the kids, give inspiration. You know, I was a season ticket holder last year and continue to be. So I'm always supporting the university, and, you know, that's, that's what I do. Only one Steve Logan on Twitter. That's yes, your handle. Sir. And then, of course, Lenny, how about, how about yourself? What are you up to these days? Any, anything you want to promote out there? Uh, just, you know, same thing with me, my construction real estate development company, so pushing through with that. Um, so that's it, man, just continuing to, uh, you know, be an ambassador for the, for the athletics and for the university. Um, just pushing through, man. Um, you know, looking forward to kind of bridging this gap between, you know, the athletic department and the guys, um, you know, from our side. And I'm continuing to push forward, man, and with this uh, historic program that we all helped build. Here's a quick one to think about real quick, Lenny. Mm -hmm. UNC, UNC, I just counted, eight, eight retired jersey numbers in UNC basketball history. Mm. You know how many retired like honored jersey numbers they have where they put the jersey in the rafter? How many? 45. That's honoring. That, that's, that's, that's taking Michael Jordan and James Worthy and, and Antoine Jameson and National Players of the Year and putting them here mm -hmm. and also saying we have all these other bad mother you-know-whats. Right that are associated with our program that deserve our respect and attention and being honored. And I think, I think that's, that's respect. Hey, Wes, that's Wes. Respect. For sure. For sure. That's respect right there. Plenty of room yep. up there. Yep. Yep. Plus All it's right. also crazy. North Carolina's had eight national players of the year. Crap. Mm. <laughs> that's a lot. We guys, the guys were getting it done at a high level at one point, man. Yeah. Worthy, Worthy, Hansborough, Jameson, Jordan. The other ones are older than dirt, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you're right, man. That's respect right there. That's just respect to the body of work and blood equity that we put sweat equity into that gym. Yep. University. That's all we uh, have I, respect. I, I do wanted to get one other thing. You guys, you guys walked into the Shoemaker Center when it was, you know, a glorified high school gym. Mm -hmm. Take me through walking into that place when you saw it brand new, like it was a, a different building. Oh man, crazy man! I couldn't imagine playing playing in that in that, in that building. I mean, it was. It, I mean, just even the seating now was more on top of you. Um, I mean, it, it, they they did a great job with the renovation of uh, of, of the new arena, the sound system. I mean, the audio visual. I mean, everything in there is uh, is pretty spot on. Yeah, I like it as well, man. It's a state of the art. Uh, I really like the new arena. Nice. Did you walk in it and go, this isn't the same, these aren't the same four walls? <laughs> this isn't the same spot. Right, yeah. Sure. Definitely did that. <laughs> well, Lenny, uh, you, got, you had a part in building it, right, Lenny? No, we did the um, football. Um, okay. We did the football. Okay. We did uh, Nipper. We, we renovated that. With, we, we partnered with Turner Construction on that one. Gotcha. Uh, they can't. They, we couldn't get greedy, right? We couldn't get both. <laughs> I would have flipped. Looked, I would have took the. I would have took the basketball arena if I could have. Would have looked real suspicious, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Just hit me up. Let me know if you ever have something to say. We will take you back with open arms gladly. Uh, but it's been a 
God, it's been a pleasure. Uh, just love the stories, love what you guys added to, to just, you know, your own legacies and, and Steve, I, I think it's been literally like, you know, 15, 20 years since I've heard you talk uh, outside of seeing you down, <laughs> outside of seeing you down at the arena, you know, this, this is the first time I've, I've heard words come out of your mouth outside of the one-on-one. So yeah, we, we love to see it. And uh, thank you again for, for letting us be that, that place that you felt comfortable enough to do so. So no, appreciate y'all, man. For sure. Appreciate you guys, man. Thank appreciate you. you guys. Thanks fellas. All right. Thank see you. So Brent, this has been another special episode of the Bearcat bounce podcast. Another one. We're locking it down. So for, for, for I'm going to sign us out. So for Brent, for Chad, I am Aaron, and this was the BBP.